2: We know God did what He said He would do. He did it with Noah. He did it with Abraham. He did it with Joshua. He did it with Moses. He did it with David. He did it with Jesus Christ who died on the grave for our sin but rose to life so that we could be made right with Him. I thought, man, my God answers prayers. My God provides. But I know what some of you are thinking. Stop it, pastor. Because I heard you walk through that list, and you ask about provision, and, and we need provision right now. And I heard you talk about healing, and I need healing right now. And I heard you talk about reconciliation, and, and my relationships are not okay right now. You're still waiting on the Lord. If you are, you've come to the right place because I have a message specifically for you. Are you ready? Here it is. God is able. Do you hear that, church? Our God is able. Say that with me. Say, God is able is able. Listen to the word of God, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's what Paul's saying Abraham did. He trusted God even when it didn't make sense. As someone once said, and as we've sung in the song when, when you don't understand, uh, when you don't see his plan and you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. He is able. He's faithful. If you're a follower of Jesus, hope should be the overriding ethic of your life. Against all hope, you never give up hope. I saw this acrostic that speaks to what hope is. Maybe you can relate to this. Hope is having only positive expectations. Isn't that great? Having only positive expectations. Someone says that Christians should be hopetivists. We should be activists of hope. Are you a hopetivist today? I'm not telling you to put your hope in and just platitudes or empty thoughts. I'm saying put your hope in Jesus. But thanks to Jesus, there is hope in every situation. That's why two of my favorite words in the Bible are, but God. When you see something difficult taking place in Scripture, it's not unusual that then you see these words, but God. And maybe today you just need a little hope infused into your life and into your attitude. Maybe as Zig Ziglar used to say, you need to do a, Check up from the neck up and get rid of that stinking thinking. You need to be a hopetivist. Sometimes we have to trust God even in the land of I don't understand. I'm going to go, Lord, even though you're telling me and I don't think it makes sense. And that's where Abraham was. Look at verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Say as good as dead. Now, I want you to understand what that means. So let me tell you, in the original language, that means as good as dead. It's that simple. You don't need an explanation. Abraham looks down at his body and he says, you ain't worth much. You got one foot in the grave. You're heading out of here. You're as good as dead. Why? Because he was about 100 years old. And then it says, and Sarah's womb was also dead. So he's got this promise from God, and he's saying, against all hope, I'm going to trust you, God, even though your boy's 100, the one you're saying is going to be a mama She's 90 and she's never had any children. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. You see, when you feel like things are as good as gone or as good as dead, that's looking at your circumstances. And we all have those Whether or not you have them today, you will have them one day. But it's in those moments that you need to take your eyes off of your circumstances and look at your God. How big is your God? Notice what he says. He he, he strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Do you believe God is able Do you believe that God can do what he says? Church, that's what you've got to decide. What do I believe about God? For some of you, your God is too small. Abraham understood something. Though he looked at himself and he thought I'm as good as dead, though he looked at his wife and he said her womb is dead, he understood that his God brings dead things to life. That's who God is that's what he does. For some of us though, our God is too small because we think what God does is that he just makes bad things better. Or maybe even a good thing, he'll make a little better. But that's minimizing who God is. If you think what God did is just make you better, then you want others just to be better like you. And you become judgmental when they're not as good as you. But if you think God, did, what God did is make you alive, that you were dead, but now you're alive, that you were blind, but now you see, that you were lost, but now you're found. If you believe that, then you want everybody to have the life that you've had. You want them to be raised to life like you. I don't know about you, but I believe in a God who raises the dead. I believe in a God who opens the barren womb. I believe in a God who heals the brokenhearted. I believe in a God who makes the blind to see, and I believe in a God who makes the lame to walk. I believe in a God who is able. Had Abraham looked down at his life alone, he would have seen the impossible. But because he kept looking up to those stars, he realized that with his God, all things are possible. Humanly speaking, our life may seem hopeless, but praise God, we are not relying on the work of human hands. If your life is relying on human hands You're stuck in a do-it-yourself mode that is never going to work. You need to live your life day in and day out with the recognition that your only hope against hope is that you are in the hand of God. By the way, if you're on that aging end, maybe you're not ready to say like Abraham, I'm as good as dead, but you recognize things aren't working like they once did. You're not looking like you once looked. Can I just remind you of something that I learned from this passage of Scripture? God's not finished with you. He's not limited by your age. Some of the best things He may have for you to do for His kingdom, for His glory, may be in the later years of your life. Don't think you retire from serving Him just because you've retired from what gave you a paycheck. You give your best to God. And you know what sociologists are telling us today? They say they believe our best years are in the 60s, the 70s, maybe even into the early 80s if God gives us that long. Just think about it. Think of all the wisdom, all the experience that you've gained if you live that long. See, Abraham had learned the secret. He had learned the secret to staying young. You know what it is? It's saying yes to God. When it said and. Romans chapter 4 that it, he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness that word believed in the old testament you know how that's translated the hebrew word that it said believe it's simply translated amen say amen. amen you want to know how to stay young say amen to god that's a side note but that may be why some of you look so old you never say amen in church just a little humor We have to weigh what we think is impossible. In Abraham's case, it was having a baby in old age. Against what we know is impossible. Let me tell you something we know is impossible. God cannot break his word. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. So remember, we have a book. We have the directions. We have a standard. God is not going to fail to do something he told us he will do. So at the end of the day, Abraham had to decide. Am I going to look at my life and see what, humanly speaking, is impossible? Or am I going to trust in what I know is impossible? My God will not tell a lie. He is able. I'm going to trust his promises. So, look again at his legacy, how that panned out, these two verses. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. That verse outlines itself. Did you see the three things? He did not waver, he was strengthened, and his life gave glory to God. Man, what a legacy! Wouldn't all of us love that that would be said of us when they're remembering our lives? They did not waver. Even when they felt weak, they were strengthened by God. And then you look at their life, and their life gave Him glory. They left a legacy. What a testimony. Uh, Someone surveyed people over 95 years old. They said, what would you do differently? Now think about that. Over 95 years old. Hey, just so we can celebrate, just in this room, I know others are watching, but anybody in this room over 95 years old, by chance? I'm looking, I'm looking. Some of you say, I feel 95 years old. Okay, well, we'll celebrate you when you get there. Um, Three things they said. They said they would reflect more. They would spend more time thinking and reflecting on all that's happened. They said they would risk more. Think about that. Over 95 years old, they would risk more. And then they said they would do more things that outlasted them. They would think regularly about leaving a legacy. That's what Abraham did. So let me ask you those three questions. Are you wavering in your faith? Wavering means just to go from side to side, and one day I'm strong, and one day I'm not. And one, A friend of mine this week, uh, they, they needed to do something, but they called me, and they said, Pastor, I can't do it because I have vertigo. You know what happens when you have vertigo? You can't even stand up straight. I mean, you feel like the world is moving. You feel nauseous. You feel sick. That's wavering, and Abraham didn't waver in his faith. How about this one? Are you being strengthened in your faith? Are you walking in the strength of God? Or are you focusing on your weakness? And then the big one, is your life bringing him glory? You see, the opposite of this statement is true. When we waver, our strength is weakened. And we rob God of his glory. So when you profess to be a Christ follower but you've wavered in such a way that your life doesn't look like you're following Christ, you may think you were doing it yourself and pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and you'd get stronger, but the reality is you get weaker. And when you get weaker, you know what that does as a Christ follower? It robs God of glory. Because instead of the people in your little corner of the world looking at you and saying, wow, what a God they serve. They look at you and say, I don't know that their God's making any difference. All Abraham had was a promise, but he believed. He believed God would do it, and he gave glory to God, and he received a blessing, and so will you. So what if you can't see it? Well, we've got to trust God's promises even when we don't see his provision. Our faith is strengthened when we do that and our God is glorified so, so that's a take home for some of you right there today some of you are saying God man I feel like I'm fighting hell by the acre things are not working out it's tough right now I, I'm in the land of I don't understand but God I'm going to trust your promises I'm going to stand on the promises of Christ my King is your faith weak or strong Has your faith wavered or has it been consistent? Does your faith bring greater glory to God? If not, what are you going to do about it? So let me just give you four takeaways if I'm going to live with this kind of faith. Number one, we should persist in faith with hope. Let's just make a decision today. Because I have faith in Jesus... I'm going to be a hopeful person. I'm going to let it affect everything in my life. I'm going to let it affect my countenance and how other people see me. I'm going to live with hope, with great expectation. Think of faith. We think of Hebrews and that great roll call of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Those saints of God who even in the midst, almost every one of them, of trial and difficulty, they trusted God in faith. They had hope. Secondly, we should persevere in faith with obedience. So if I say I'm going to have faith, do this exercise. Say, what areas of my life am I not doing what God said to do because I'm not responding in faith? And I'm just telling you, I can't speak for you, but But, for me, one of the regular tests of that is my financial stewardship. I think that 's why Jesus talked about it so much, and even this morning, as I was doing my daily reading my plan through the scriptures, uh, Jesus was giving his woes to the Pharisees, where he was kind of like he was meeting with the Pharisees, and he says, "'Woe are you for this, Woe are you for that i mean it 's like bad and this is what he said: Woe are you." Who, who you give of just the tithe and you you think that's okay, yeah, keep tithing, but don't stop there. You see, Jesus was constantly promoting that the generosity with which you with which you live with that which you have, that's a direct reflection of how much you trust that God is who He says He is. So it really doesn't matter how, how long you've been coming to church or how long you've been going through some other motions if there are big areas in your faith where you say, I'm just not going to trust you, God, with that. I mean, would you really trust God to keep you out of hell, but you won't trust him with a portion of your paycheck? Wow. So we should persevere in faith with obedience. And, and that may not be your area. Maybe you've not followed through in believer's baptism just because you've got a thing with water or a thing with being in public. Or, or maybe you don't spend daily time in the Word just because you're undisciplined. Obedience should flow out of our faith. Thirdly, we should proclaim our faith on mission. See, we're reading about Abraham because he lived out his faith. And when you live out your faith, those in your little corner of the world... You don't have to be Billy Graham. They'll see it in your daily life. You'll be so different from this world that they'll see you're on a different mission than most people. Live out your faith on mission. And then finally, project your faith with joy. Project your faith with joy. If you've got this relationship with God through Jesus, by His grace that's changed your everything Man, it should be making a difference. Hey, do me a favor right now. Take take this finger like this. Everybody participate, please. You can draw this out. And then take this finger, everybody do this. Now turn it kind of inward like this. Point. Now push up. See how much better that is? And people from time to time say, Pastor, we We like it because you smile all the time. In fact, they say you smile often. You're about to hit us over the head with a truth from God's word and sting us, but you're smiling while you do it. And I just have to tell you, I'm not doing that to manipulate. I'm smiling because I believe what I'm saying. I'm smiling because this God that I'm professing, this faith that I have, it's real. He's changed me, and I believe He is able to do what He says He will do. It comes through in joy in our life. If you and those in your little corner of the world do not see joy in your life, I I just say you got to question your faith. I don't want to create undue doubt, but if you go through life without joy, you've got to ask why. I'm just moved to emotion as I look at my friend Cheryl, her husband Dave's going through a tough health battle, and he has been for a while, and it, it's pretty tough. In and out of the hospital the last two weeks. Home now, probably watching us online right now. Hey, Dave. Um, but the reality is I visited him last week, before last Sunday in the hospital, and we talked about how Dave really couldn't be in church. It was just so hard for him physically. And I look out last week, and there he was. And you know what he had on his face? He had the biggest smile you could imagine because he was excited to be in the house of God. He wasn't looking at the circumstances in that moment of his life. He was resting in the one To whom he's placed his faith. See, I'm just telling you, the promises of God and the principles of grace make all things possible when you believe in faith. That's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is that God brings dead things to life. Abraham's just a human picture of that. He took a dead womb of a 90-year-old lady and he gave her childbirth. God demonstrated this ultimately, however, in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul reminds us of at the end of chapter 4. And That's where our faith really becomes a reality. When we come to grips with the fact that we are all born dead inside. You see, like Abraham, every one of us are as good as dead. Even at birth, that's what sin does to us. But our hope is that we look to Christ in faith. And when we, as dead men and women and boys and girls, when we look to Christ in faith, He makes that which is dead alive. He gives us the promise. Just think about this. He gives us the same promise of life that was given to Sarah's womb. But beyond that, it's the same promise of resurrection life that was given to Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead. That's what he says in verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins, he was raised to life for our justification. How are we saved? (laughs) All we do is we look to Christ in faith and realize he makes that which is dead alive. And he wants to do that for you. That's probably the best words of this whole chapter in verse 24. And this is about us. It's also for us. Think about it. Abraham had to have faith in what he couldn't see. We've got it much better. We've got all of God's word that shows us again and again that he's faithful, that he's true, that he's a promise keeper, that he's a way maker, that he's the light in the darkness. That is who he is. You can trust him whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through.